Canadian hockey fans, are you ready to Brave the Wild? With me, your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Brave the Wild is available on thesportstuff.com and on iTunes. I thank each and every one of you always for downloading and listening to this show. It's a pleasure to be back on board once again. We left off last with, with the last episode of Brave the Wild, saying, have the Wild reached their ceiling? And that's the question. It's an ongoing question here as we head into State of the Wild 2015. That's the name of this episode right here. Because, well, where are the Wild right now? What is their present status? And will they continue from it? Are they just a team that can get to the second round, bump into the Chicago Blackhawks, and lose? Is that all we are? Or are we going to get knocked out in the first round next next season? Or are we going to finally... Is somebody going to finally emerge? <laughs> Not just the team, but somebody in general going to finally emerge be the star, and ultimately say it's time for this club to advance past Chicago and make the ultimate move towards the Stanley Cup championship. Is that day coming? And who will that player be? Well, we're going to talk about that as best we can. I'm not going to give you a player particularly, but I'm just going to say <laughs> players that hopefully can do it and players that probably will not. Stuff like that. That's kind of what the the case is here. Do we have that player on the roster? Well, we'll continue to talk about that in the second segment. The first segment, I'm going to kind of sort of go over the 2014-2015 season. Going to kind of go over the storyline a bit without dragging it out too long, I hope, in the first segment here, as I mentioned. Going to also give you the uh, most valuable player for last season. The biggest surprise, biggest disappointment. You can probably guess what most of, what most of those are going to be, or at least two of them. Eh, we'll, we'll get to it when we get to it here. So let's start things out here, as they did start out so well, as Mike Yo seasons often do. But it started out so well, it gave us so much hope that little did we know where things were going to head and where things were going to wrap up. Just what a roller coaster ride of a season it truly was. When you consider the Minnesota Wild bump into the Colorado Avalanche to open the season and shut them out twice. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty big deal to shut out. The Colorado Avalanche twice. That's quite an accomplishment. Pardon me. Regardless of how good, regardless of how good or not good the Colorado Avalanche ultimately were this past season, the fact remains the Wild had just come off defeating them in a seven-game series. I mean, it was so damn close it had to go to overtime in the seventh game. And yeah, it hit the post. The puck hit the post for it to go in past uh, well, <laughs> Mr. Varlamov. But well, that's how it goes. The Wild finally had a stroke of luck. Okay, let's get off that. The promising start for Darcy Kemper is what had a lot of us pumped, a lot of us so excited, like, wow, he's already taking that next step. We gambled and won. Yes, Chuck Fletcher gambled and won by not making a move on a goaltender in the offseason. Yeah, we gambled and won. <laughs> yeah, well, Darcy Kemper's talent is uh, undeniable. Sure, he he's a talented guy, and he's big. He takes up a lot of space. That doesn't hurt. As long as he's young and spry and, and uh, obviously not injured, you know, when he actually, uh, that he doesn't have a large history of injuries, like Nicholas Backstrom. Hmm. We'll try to talk about him in the second segment if we feel like it very, very briefly. <clears throat> but yeah, Darcy Kemper's very positive start. Had us all pumped up. We have our goalie of the future. Things are looking up for this franchise. We got our goalie of the future. We're ready to roll. And we have a nice backup in uh, Backstrom, too. <laughs> yeah, great backup goalie. Yeah. But <laughs> things look so promising October and about midway through November. And I mean pretty promising. But ultimately, it was it was losses to the LA Kings. Excuse me, it was a loss to the LA Kings on November 26th that had us starting to wonder. Hmm, 4 nothing loss to the LA Kings. But it, necess- but it was necessarily all was lost. But uh, losing also to Ottawa, Pittsburgh, Montreal early on were were signs of things to come. The Wild started to give up a lot of goals, losing to St. Louis in overtime. Not the worst ever, but the fact that the Wild were losing is what matters. I mean, a loss is a loss. And then you go into December, and, well, you had a couple of okay moments. Looks like we might be okay. We actually beat the Montreal Canadiens 2-1. You beat the New York Islanders in a thriller (laughs) when their goalie Johnson just couldn't seem to handle the Wild, but then you go to San Jose and lose on December 11th. You barely beat Arizona with a familiar goalie in net. Hmm. December the 13th. 
But then you start losing to Chicago, Boston, Nashville, Philadelphia, Winnipeg. And you sneak one past Winnipeg <laughs> and then lose 3-1 to Columbus on December 31st. A classic Minnesota Wild uh, New Year's Eve game to a team that's not really a playoff team. Just a, just a lame-ass loss. That's what it was. And then January happens, and it's one loss after another. Oh, sure, we beat Toronto, who was sucking Major League. I mean, they had no, they had no business being anything out there. Toronto went from a pretty solid team to a team that couldn't uh, couldn't get along. They couldn't play together. They couldn't do anything. An absolute joke. And then there was January the 3rd. <laughs> January the 3rd, a 7-1 to loss. That was just like, yeah, this is great. Uh, I was admittedly at a Timberwolves game for the first time in how many years. And I just, but I kept watching the updates and keeping up with that game. And I regretted keeping up with that game. But not that the Wolves game was very entertaining either because the Wolves got beat by Utah that night. But the Wild losing 7-1 to in Dallas. And yeah, it was just an exasperating loss. And of course, both of our great goalies were in net that night due to reasoning of uh, somebody getting their butt kicked. <laughs> yeah, just... Uh, man, it was pretty bad. Uh, Nicholas, excuse me, Darcy Kemper out there. Hmm... Darcy Camber just giving up one goal after another early on. Getting peppered didn't help either. Backstrom giving up three more in relief. Just a, just an absolute joke. Kemper, once you beat him, you beat him. Uh, you know, it, it's all between the years. And once Kemper's beat mentally, he's done. But then the losses continued him out after that game. That was the beginning of the end there. Or at least so it seemed. 4-3 to three loss in overtime. Well, we got a point against San Jose. You lose to Chicago. 4-1, Nashville. Chicago again. 7-2. to two. Now, this was, uh, pardon me, The uh, after the Nashville game, actually it was after the Chicago game, was the huge outburst by Mike Yo. It was actually after the Sharks game. Yeah, whatever it was. A huge, giant outburst by Mike Yo. Had a lot of us like, holy cow, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> the, the famous outburst by Mike Yo. A lot of people thought he was absolutely going to be fired very, very soon because it appeared the team had... Uh, completely given up on him, losing in a just a gutless 3-1 to loss to Nashville. Just They didn't even show up to play Chicago. Well, the Wild didn't really show up to play in that one either. And then 7-2 to to Pittsburgh. It's like, this guy's going to lose his job. There's no doubt about it. And then the Devin Dubnik trade happened on January the 14th. Next thing you know, he's in the Wild's net right away in Buffalo, New York. And the Wild wins 7 nothing. And it was the beginning of something positive. We were all so happy, so encouraged. Devin Dubnik goes to <laughs> face his old team right away. 3-1 to one victory over Arizona. And then you had losses to Columbus and an overtime loss to Detroit. And then you start wondering, oh boy. Well, it was novel. And yeah, the Wild are better with this guy in net. Better than Darcy Kemper and Backstrom, who couldn't stay healthy if his life depended on it. And even if he can, he's just, he's just too broken down now. Forget about it. But yeah, the overtime loss to Detroit, giving up a trillion goals. And Kemper was okay, but just couldn't get the job done in the shootout in relief. And that would be Darcy Kemper's last uh, appearance in the <laughs> last appearance for several months until much later when he looked good. But then you beat Edmonton, Calgary. Very boring game. Charlie Coyle, beautiful goal that night. I still remember that very well on a breakaway. Unbelievable play. Very boring games, but wins. Wins. That's all that matters. Because Devin Dubnik was shutting everybody down. Vancouver. Giving up only two goals against Vancouver. He shuts out Chicago. Shuts out Colorado. Beat Vancouver again. Winnipeg wins, but a very low-scoring game. Blah, blah, blah. It just continues. I mean, you never saw four goals against Dubnik. You very rarely saw three goals. And any time you see three anyway, it was because of a shootout or, or, or a lucky bounce or something. But it was just one win after another, and the other team would generally have one goal or two goals. There were some frustrating nights, but ultimately the Wild just played unbelievable hockey into February, into March, just continuing to play well one night after another. And when you see the Wild beat <laughs> Hamburglar to open the month of March, Tuesday the 3rd, very exciting. It took a shootout, but the Wild won the game, and Hamburglar's first loss with the Ottawa Senators and Devin Dubnik ended up winning that battle, and it was a wonderful night. Things just continued to go the way they did. A couple of losses here and there. Obviously, they're going to happen. But overall, the Wild just playing unbelievable hockey, beating teams like the Kings, beating St. Louis, which is a harbinger for things to come. Because for the longest time, it didn't look like the Wild was ever going to beat St. Louis. 
It looked like St. Louis was the team that would just bully the Wild forever. And I still think the Anaheim Ducks are that team. Oh, wait. <laughs> and, and Detroit pretty much is that, too. You open up the month of April with losses to Detroit and New York back-to-back. And that kind of made me wonder a little bit. It's like, uh-oh, we're in trouble. Losing to Winnipeg. Oh, man. 2 to nothing, getting shut out by them. That was a frustrating night. But then the Wild started beating St. Louis just about every game except the <laughs> one of them. Uh, they just did a good job. And then, obviously, the, you had the postseason go the way it did. A seesaw battle. The Wild blow game one, take advantage, win game two, lose game three. That had a lot of us, uh, oh, this is screwed up. Nope, excuse me. They they, be, they won game one, lost game two, pardon me. And then you had the 3 nothing victory to go up 2-1. to one. That was so exciting. Had a lot of us pumped. 6-1 to one loss. A lot of us started to doubt Dubnik. Unfortunately, that was a harbinger of things to come. But luckily, the Wild 4-1 to one victories back-to-back games. When the Wild won Game 5 in St. Louis, you knew we were going to win the series without a doubt. Come home, win 4-1, to one, ultimately win the series. And then the series in Chicago made us all wonder, is it all just going to be... Is it all just going to be a... Uh, have we just hit the ceiling? And and is, is this all we're going to be? Are we going to be the Chicago Blackhawks bitch? Biatch, whatever you want to call it? It sure seems that way. And when the Wild went down 3 nothing to the Blackhawks in Game 1, you, f- you figure that's it. The Wild make a nice comeback, still cannot finish the job, and the rest of the series went the way it did. Yes, the last two games were one-goal losses. But that 4-1 to loss in Game 2 was a, was a surefire sign. The Wild weren't going to get it done, and the Blackhawks just kicked our butts the whole way. Heartbreaking, disappointing, and it is what it is. And the Wild could not score on Corey Crawford, and ultimately... The Blackhawks won their third Stanley Cup since 2010, and seeing Corey Crawford holding that trophy, being what he was, just so frustrating indeed. But the good news is, not all of them are back. That's the good news, and we'll maybe mention some of that in the next segment. <laughs> Quite a roller coaster ride. Some of you may or may not want to have go go back through that again, but it was a fun season. It was an interesting season. It was crazy the way things changed the way they did, back and forth. Started out so good, went got real bad. Dubnik comes, and it was unbelievable. So many of us were thinking, this could be that magical season, that 87 Twins type of season. But ultimately, it wasn't meant to be. It all vanished. It all vanished indeed. And it's like, yeah, have we hit our ceiling? I hope not, but it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy to get past this ceiling, this this hopefully breakable ceiling, this glass ceiling. Can the Wild break the glass, or is it too thick? Because the Western Conference is freaking difficult as hell. Colorado Avalanche were the last place team in our division. They were eight games above 500, ladies and gentlemen. That's not good. Eight games above 500. The last place team in the division was eight games above 500, and they finished with 90 points. You know, did you know that the Minnesota Wild <laughs> had had 90 points in, in some of their... Uh, well, they had 94 points in the season. They went all the way to the Western Conference Finals. So it, it, it just tells you, it ain't going to be easy, man, for this team to go anywhere. But ultimately, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. As long as you make the playoffs, anything could happen because the Kings did it more than once. So hopefully the Wild can do it. But today, the Wild don't seem to have what it takes to defeat the Chicago Blackhawks, and this season was quite, quite a telling, I mean, was quite a telling, a tell of how things are headed for the Minnesota Wild right now with the Chicago Blackhawks. To finish only two points behind the Blackhawks during the regular season, only to get swept the way they did, outclassed the way they did. It does make you wonder, is this franchise ever going to get past that team? And that is the question of of questions right now. Ultimately, the team that beat the Chicago Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup the last, well, at least since 2012. The Kings beat them in the West Finals, and they won the Stanley Cup. The Kings beat them in the, in the West Finals in 2014, and they won the Stanley Cup. So, there it is. Otherwise, the Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup since 2012. Go figure. <sighs> yeah, go figure, right? <laughs> Good times indeed. So, let's jump into the actual... Awards for the season. Most valuable player for 2014-2015 for the Minnesota Wild. 
the Brave the Wild Awards, or whatever you might want to call it, Devin Dubnik will get the most viable player. Strong honorable mention for Zach Parisi, who literally was the heart and soul of the Minnesota Wild, and he easily had his best season as a member of this team, despite multiple things holding him back during the course of time. Obviously, the death of his father, extremely sad, J.P. Parisi. And yes, nobody lives forever, but it wasn't, it wasn't time to go for J.P. Parisi. He still had many years left. Very, very sad, without a doubt. Uh, and, I mean, you can imagine how that could weigh on a player like Zach Parisi, who's an emotional guy, a passionate guy. And his father, <laughs> his, his father, absolutely put Zach Parisi in the NHL with that, with uh, the training and the and the motivation and the and the spirit and the passion. JP Parisi taught Zach Parisi, Zach so many things, and of course I wasn't behind the scenes of fly on the wall, but from everything we know, <laughs> ultimately JP Parisi was everything to Zach out there as a, as an NHLer and as a hockey fan, hockey player, all the above. So, a moment of silence one more time for JP Parisi. Zach Parisi, honorable mention for the Most Viable Player Award for Brave the Wild this past season. Biggest surprise, easily Devin Dubnik. You bring in a guy with a, for a third-round pick, hoping he can at least be a Band-Aid goalie. Maybe you just keep him for the rest of the season. Maybe he flames out, whatever it is. But at least you have something, you have hope that just maybe you have an okay goalie to kind of be a stopgap for the team this season. Maybe there's still a chance he might end up being a decent goalie. Good enough. Like, the offense does what it does. The scores is three or four goals, and Dubna keeps it down to three. And the Wild went four to three or four to two. Whatever it was. But Devin Dubnik far exceeded everyone's expectations. And his career, ultimately, didn't reflect what he was supposed to be. He was a first-round bust, unfortunately. <laughs> but now, he's starting to look like that uh, first-round pick. Which is what the Edmonton Oilers hoped he would become. And ultimately, we'll talk about his new contract in segment number two. Biggest disappointment? Well, there's a couple out there. But the winner is going to be Eric Halla. After last postseason, you had so much hope, so much encouragement for the seventh round pick, the former Gopher, leading scorer for the Gophers, the heart and soul of that club. A, a team that just played with, <laughs> I mean, a, a young man that played so well, far exceeded expectations throughout his entire hockey career into college and into, the, into uh, Iowa, and ultimately to the NHL with the Minnesota Wild. And to follow it up with the season he had last last year, hmm, just kind of has you wondering what the hell happened. <laughs> and is he ever going to, is he ever going to achieve what, what we're hoping he could now? Because obviously his expectations were down, <laughs> way, way down, and they got raised way up with how well he played into the, into the regular season and especially in the postseason the speed and the scoring ability, the defense. He can play on the penalty kill. He Probably not on the power play, but maybe. <laughs> Just a really valuable guy who can score with his explosiveness. And, of course, his defense was fantastic. And to follow again up last season with what he did this year, easily the biggest disappointment. And the other guy who is definitely a strong silver medal for this biggest disappointment, and that's uh, Mikhail Granlin, who also had an extremely strong postseason last year and took so many steps forward. This year was about a half or half step, maybe even a full step back. And he looked like the same guy he was his first year in the NHL. He looked small. He looked like he just, he couldn't, he, he wasn't up to the physicality of the NHL. Really? His third year in the league, and we're talking about that now, when we didn't really talk about it at all his second year. Maybe the first half month or so. And then he started to take over after Charlie Coyle hurt himself. Man, man, man. What a frustration. What a frustration. Mm. Charlie Coyle hurt his knee. Mikhail Granlin took over as the second line center, became the number one center. He's been the number one center ever since. It's not like he got sent down or to the minor leagues or down to the got demoted to the third line or anything. But good lord. Good lord. Mm-mm-mm. Now of course Charlie Coyle was second line center year before last, if you know what I'm saying. Ultimately, and then Coyle was mostly this past season, third line center, and he was damn good at it. But he's the guy who needs to step up if, if this team is going to win anything. Again, we'll talk about that in segment number two. That's basically where we're headed. That's a teaser for what we're going to talk about. So Devin Dubnik, the MVP, and the biggest surprise, without a doubt, 
Honorable mention for MVP, Zach Greasy. Biggest disappointment, or excuse me, yeah, biggest disappointment was Eric Halla. Honorable mention to Mikhail Granlin. And I'm going to throw Ryan Suter as well and the biggest disappointment. But again, he also had his father pass as well. Very, very sad indeed. So, and his father was, was younger than J.B. Breezy, only in his 50s. Died of a heart attack, just kind of like that. I mean, unbelievable. So, I can't really put him at the top of biggest disappointments, yet he was disappointing. And part of that, though, is on Mike Yo. Bring the minutes down. Bring the minutes down, please. Hopefully, the free agent acquisition the Minnesota Wild were able to get in the offseason will help in that area. Uh, no guarantee there, but hopefully. Somebody has got to be that guy that can help limit <laughs> limit Ryan Suter's numbers or minutes just a little bit. That would be greatly appreciated. Then you might be able to, you might actually not look gassed out there 24-7. That would be great, wouldn't it? So there you go. Biggest surprise. Yep, Devin Dubnik. With no honorable mentions in that case. <laughs> Other than, uh, I guess, Mike Yo being better than we thought after Devin Dubnik came. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a joke, but we'll leave that alone. Let's jump into segment number two right after this. shop on Amazon? Did you know that you could support this podcast just by doing your normal shopping on Amazon? It's really easy to do. Just go to thesportstuff.com and click on one of the many Amazon pictures. Do your normal shopping and Amazon sees that we referred you and they give us a percentage. We'd like to thank you in advance for supporting thesportstuff.com and please use our Amazon link. Now enjoy the rest of the show. the Wild. It's time to get into, well, the present and the future for the Minnesota Wild here. We'll open up with the draft and then we'll jump into free agency after that. Guys that are, you know, the comings and goings for the Minnesota Wild. Not only for the Wild, but also in the minor league system as well. Might as well mention that. Not too many to get to, so don't worry. (laughs) Don't worry, there won't be too many minor league moves uh, of guys that some of you may or may not have heard of or maybe you don't really have many high hopes on. Hopefully, there's some positive news in that area. But let's jump into the draft. First, the Minnesota Wilds select Joel Eriksson Ek. Joel Eriksson Ek out of Sweden. Yes, that's right. The Sweden Hockey League. So, another player from Sweden, not Finland. So, it looks like we're starting to kind of slide in the Swedish direction, possibly. Huh, maybe. <laughs> the good news is he's six foot two and 183 and a center. That's right, a center. Now, we're going to be uh, referring to hockeysfuture.com. Hockeysfuture.com. Not sure if, uh, well, some of you may know about it, some of you don't. It's a pretty nice website to talk about prospects, so I will give them a plug and I will cite them for this due to uh, plagiarism possibilities and all that. So I'm not plagiarizing, I am mentioning that they gave me this information. <clears throat> okay, Joel Erickson, go Joel Erickson Eck, pardon me. <laughs> As a center, he plays an aggressive style, anticipating play and disrupting breakouts. He brings a highly rated shot and, most importantly, does not display many real weaknesses in his game. Erickson Eck is not an immediate solution to the Wilds' problems at center, but he has the best upside of any center in the system and brings honest, top-line potential if his development continues as it has done. So basically, as long as he keeps on the trend he's been on, (laughs) it would be nice, wouldn't it? He may have been a safe pick, but the team is also betting that the first Swede taken in the draft is a special player, ideally suited for the Wilds' current system approach. So, yeah, clearly this team focusing on the center position. Not a knock on uh, on Granlin necessarily, but at the same time, well, yeah, you can never have too many centers, especially if they're, uh, well, t- you know, in the top six variety. That would be great. And also the fact that Miko Kwebu is no longer a top six center 
maybe he never really was a top six forward, pardon me. Meaning he'd be top, top line or second line, ultimately. So now in the second round, six foot five, two 222-pound Jordan Greenway. Jordan Greenway, left winger. Second round, 50th overall. Not, not bad, ultimately. Uh, Greenway is a player who's not afraid to engage opposition players. But surprise, surprise, a guy that big. <laughs> but then again, why should he be? He will face more mature players throughout next season as Boston University. So yeah, that's where he's playing. Yep, Boston University. Uh, Justin Tuck, by the way, is from uh, Boston College. Boston College. So yeah, we got some guys playing out east, and those are pretty big schools when it comes to, or pretty pretty good programs when it comes to Division One hockey. So that's good. I have no problem taking these guys. Okay, we continue. Boston University plays a schedule fit for a national runner-up, and yes, he was on that team. Yeah, yeah. They lost to Providence. I watched that game. <clears throat> Greenway has done has done some has some fine tuning to do, but should be a fit on Jack Quinn's team that looks to build a tremendous campaign. Last season without Phenom Jack Eckel, Greenway will be part of an impressive incoming freshman class that includes Bruins 2015 second rounder Jacob Forsbaka Carlson and St. Louis 2014 second rounder Maxime Lutinov, traded to Arizona. <laughs> And should be able to put up impressive numbers. So we will see ultimately there. Yes. Hopefully things will work out. Uh, yeah. So a player for the wild that was taken in the fifth round. Or sixth round, pardon me. Uh, defenseman. He was on the USNDT. Nick Boca. And we'll be talking about him very shortly. He also had praise for Greenway. He says, it's so hard to take the puck from him. I think he made me better in practice. He is an un- an unbelievable player. Kind of sounds like Charlie Coyle a little bit. Kind of sounds like Charlie Coyle. You know, hard to get the puck away from Charlie Coyle either. Very physical guy, great wall guy, all that. So that's good. Not not bad at all. We'll see how he continues to develop. And college generally can be a really nice development ground for most players, but not all. Remember how a lot of people used to criticize <laughs> Don Lucia with his development of uh, NHL prospects to the uh, on the Gophers to the NHL. And uh, that was an annoying reputation that uh, drove Lucia nuts, I'm sure. And he got sick and tired of dealing with it. So he went more for guys that are willing to stick around longer than one bleeping year. And uh, the Wild became more of a national power, at least for <clears throat> one one year or so. Alex, so yeah, after, after the second round, the Wild obviously do not have a third-round pick, thanks to Devin Dubnik. We'll talk about him again very shortly. So the Wild wind up with the goalie. Yeah, in the fourth round. In the fourth round. Out of the Czech Republic. Alice Stezka. Alice Stezka. So we shall see what happens here. And we also uh, we also have a reference to uh, Kaipo Kokinen. I, I wish I could say his name right, but I do know about him last year. He was a third round pick for the Wild. As a goalie. So, yeah, we have multiple prospects uh, in the system, but they're playing overseas at this point in time. None of them are going to be in the Iowa Wild next season, I believe, anyway. I'm pretty sure they're still signed, yes. Uh, the Wilds sees the need for patience with both 2014 Kaipo Kokonen and with Stezka. Stezka is prepared to come to North America next season to join the Sioux Falls Stampede. Oh, so there you go. The Sioux Falls Stampede of the USHL. After that, he would be eligible to play in the NCAA, according to Brent Flair, but as a European draft pick, would have several options. Yep. Yeah. Okay, Stezma, Stezka is a big-bodied goaltender who needs some work with aspects of his game, such as lateral movement. Hmm. That said, the Wild liked the way his stats improved in the playoffs. All right, well, all right. <laughs> Sounds like it's uh, a work in progress to say the least. Uh, goaltenders take forever to get to the NHL. Darcy Kemper, I still remember when he was drafted, and it was like, oh my god, he's in the NHL, he's 23, wow. That's like, he was drafted five years ago, though, but yeah, you get the idea, three, four, five years ago, <laughs> four or five usually it takes for some of these guys to get to the NHL. Yeah, it's rare you see 24-year-old goalies, and yes, there are some, but very few of them end up being good. All right, fifth round, and the names get no easier to pronounce, and uh, yeah, and there's a reason why I'm doing a reference to this. It's not like I'm super duper, and I I challenge most of you out there 
that are hockey fans that are probably like rolling your eyes at me right now because you're, yeah, you have this snobby approach to like, <laughs> oh boy, he should know everything about hockey, uh, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure you guys weren't sitting in, uh, sitting over there in Europe watching these guys play every night, were you? Were you? Or did you have live feeds on your on your laptops watching them? Or, or do you just sit and watch YouTubes on them? Probably after they were drafted. Well, sure. Okay. Okay, back to the fifth round. <clears throat> 135th overall, Kirill Kaprizov. Well, that's not too bad. Kaprizov, I still might not be pronouncing it right, but yeah, Kirill Kaprizov. <laughs> Kaprizov is an intriguing pick for this season. This, this reason, pardon me, but he also has hockey skills. And he's a left winger, by the way. And the wild selection here should be praised for all the potentially positive outcomes from it. And it, by the way, before I continue, it would be nice to see a fifth-round pick actually become something for the Minnesota Wild. We're still waiting on that. Doug Risebrow, who sucked big time. I mean, he was probably the worst GM ever. J- just about. Maybe not quite, but he's got to be one of the worst GMs ever. When you look at his draft success, you had entire draft classes for the Minnesota Wild. Like, bust. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The entire, we've had entire draft casts. Like the year, uh, was it 2004, I do believe. The year the Wild took uh, A.J. Thielen. I don't think a single player in that draft class really became anything in the NHL. And if I'm wrong, do forgive me. Uh, yeah, that, that one still hurts. <clears throat> okay, the 115th player by ISS, Kaprizov, was another standout for the Ivan Hinka U18, so under-18 tournament, pardon me, as he scored seven points, five goals, in four games to lead Team Russia. That's not bad at all. The Wild Scouts there saw, in Brent Flair's words, a very smart player. Kaprizov is an excellent skater who reads play well. He has a quick release and can pass creatively. In, in all... He is a small player at this stage of his career, but one with professional experience. With, yeah, this guy. <laughs> Martin, yeah, I'll just leave that alone. In the KHL, covers up, played 31 games, and scored 8 points. Hmm. Yeah, well, yeah. How thought it's just impossible to gauge, and it's always really low. I remember Miko Koiva had like 4 points in like 30 games. There was no, that was definitely not reflective on how his NHL career was going to happen, so... Yeah. <clears throat> Kaprizov still managed a nice combination of production and defensive defensive value. Yep. Five or six minutes more per game in his second season does not seem like much of a stretch, and Kaprizov should see his stat line ticking upward. So basically, small sample size, didn't get to play much, but in the sam- sample, he looks like a very smart player, and uh, he can score a little bit. Well, go figure. We hope he can, right? <laughs> Nick Boca, defenseman. Of USNDT of the USHL, sixth round, hundred and seventy-first pick overall, six foot one ninety-seven. Yeah, and Kaprizov was five ten one eighty-one. So a smaller left winger, maybe a second liner. At maybe maybe he'll make it as a second liner someday, but that's yeah, quite a long ways off. <laughs> but then again, actually, maybe fourth liner. Now they think about it because it's a smaller guy. Uh, it was known for defense. So anyhow, Nick Boca. Kind of a mid-sized defenseman, mid-sized I would say, about six foot one ninety-seven, almost two hundred. Uh, right-handed defenseman who describes himself as more of a stay-at-home type. Yeah, there you go. Sounds like uh, Jordan Leopold at this stage. <laughs> Boca is a Detroit area player who came through the CompuWare program before joining the U.S. developmental program in Ann Arbor. In Ann Arbor, pardon me. Fittingly, he will join Wild prospect Nolan DeJong as a University of Michigan Wolverine next season. I like it. I like when these guys go to the, the uh, go to go to these very familiar uh, colleges so we can watch them when the Gophers play them. That's pretty cool. And, of course, you keep up with the NCAA hockey, which I prefer to. Uh, it's easier to actually get excited about some of these guys. <clears throat> Flair mentioned Boca as a player who fell a bit to them, and he was a player in the ISS Top 100. Hmm. Though defense is not his calling card, Boca did... What the... Oh, excuse me, offense. I was going to say, stay-at-home defenseman, yeah. Though offense is not his calling card, Boca did put up his fair share of goals at entry level while working on being a dependable and physical presence. He is aggressive when holding the offensive zone and a quick puck mover who relishes contact. 
He lacks the dynamic upside of, say, a Jacob Truba. The well-spoken Boca is an excellent value pick at this slot and should be well worth tracking over the next seasons at Michigan. So sounds like an intangible type of guy, and again, reminds me of, just from just from this description, sounds a lot like Jordan Leopold. Like a Jordan Leopold type of player. Not at the, not not in the scoring level in the NH, in college, but sounds like if this is who he is, that sounds like Jordan Leopold as an NHL player, to be honest. More of a, uh, yeah, intangible guy. Okay, as we look to continue this seventh round pick, Gustav Borman, defenseman out of, yeah, the OHL. <clears throat> yeah. And Jack Sedek of Lakeville North. Jack Sedek of Lakeville North. And I do remember that. Very exciting for a lot of people. I'll try to keep this brief here. Uh, self-described as an offensive-minded defenseman. This is a Borman first. He was 7th round, 201st overall. 5'11", 184. Uh, offensive-minded defenseman. Poised with the puck. Borman has the numbers to back it up. His skating and puck moving were among the best in his draft class. Wow. But he seems to like the size and strength. Yep, he's small. Or perhaps the will to battle effectively. He was scratched during the OHL playoffs over some undisciplined play. Hmm. Ouch. Well, we'll see what happens. All right, on to the young man out of Lakeville North. Minnesota High School, of course. Lakeville North. Jack Sadek. And I hope I'm, yeah. <laughs> Six foot two, 185. And he was the uh, 204th overall player and the final player taken by the Minnesota Wild in the 2015 draft. Sadek describes himself as a two-way defenseman. He says, I can skate the puck out and I'll take the body if I need to. Sadek will join a University of Minnesota Golden Gophers squad that is jammed on the blue line next fall. Even <laughs> even minus new wild player Mike Riley, hint, hint, and Ranger, Rangers prospect Brady uh, okay, and wild prospect Nick Steeler, yep. <laughs> Brady Scudges, I can't say it. Fresh off a year forced from games due to an odd NCAA rule will be another player competing for minutes. Nonetheless, weight, weight room time and personal growth will be good for Sadek next season, even if he receives minimal ice time. So there you go. Rock and roll. Let's get on to free agency. Sounds like a decent draft class, but you never know. <laughs> Hopefully. It seems like it seems like Doug excuse me, it seems like Chuck Fletcher hits on the seventh rounders. Because you got guys, obviously, like Eric Halla, who made it to the NHL two years ago and was really exciting at the time, and then was, well, what he was last year. But then you had Grayovac as well, who led the uh, Iowa Wild in scoring, and, well, he played in the NHL for a little bit. Too small of a sample size, didn't get a chance to score a goal, and was fourth-line center at the time. But Grayovac, we'll see. We could call him the Grayovac battery, I guess, since he's basically Grayovac battery with a G in front. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, I like him. I like Rayovac. I he he's an intangible type of guy, kind of an all overall guy, and obviously he can certainly score at the minor league level if he can translate some of that to the NHL. Well, he might end up being at least a fourth line center coming into this coming season because as we open things up here, Kyle Braziak, who was the fourth line center for a while, third line center for years before that, on July second signed a, of course a uh, one year. A one-year, one-way deal with the St. Louis Blues for $900,000. I don't think we've seen the last of Kyle Brozniak for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. We'll see you in the playoffs, Kyle. Ah, most likely. Most likely, Ryan Carter is back with the Wild. Again, one-way deal. That means, of course, he's not going to the minor leagues. Or at least, well, if we did send him to the minor leagues, you still got to pay him 625000 You can't uh, bring it down at all. So, na-na-na, boo-boo, says Ryan Carter. And I have no problem with him back with the Wild. Nice fourth-line player, just please stay healthy. Would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, shall I mention this name? I will mention his name. I will. And he signed before free agency started, but there was an ongoing saga back and forth. Oh boy, he wants like 10 years, or he wants 8 years, or he wants this or that, and he wants $5 million a year. Oh boy. Well, he wound up with 6 years and 4.33. So basically, 6 years and 4 and a third million dollars a year. 
good for $25 million. That guy's name is Devin Dubnik. And, of course, other media sources, outlets, whatever you want to call them, said $26 million a year. This is saying $25 um, I think it's 26. I'll just, I'm going to stick with 26. Six years, $26 million for Devin Dubnik. So the Wild do have the longer term, or it, it's a, well, they were able to bring it down from eight and ultimately the money down from five. So they were able to compromise, work together. Luckily, there really, from what it sounds like, was no animosity between the two parties. That's good news, and thank God for that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's the last thing you need is come in and there's a big bullcrap going into the season. Or Devin Dubnik goes off to the San Jose Sharks. But luckily, none of the above. Good news here and ultimately, the later uh, stages of this contract, the money goes down. That's also good news. So possibly, maybe Darcy Kemper emerges as a really good player and that's Chuck Fletcher's thinking as well. Maybe Darcy Kemper eventually becomes the starter. Devin Dubnik becomes like a backup or a platoon with Kemper later in the contract. Or maybe Devin Dubnik is just a fantastic, phenomenal player and he just plays out this contract as a starter and gosh, maybe a couple years from now we'll be talking about him going to Evelyn, Minnesota. Wink, wink. Okay, nah. Well, maybe someday. Hopefully Devin Dubnik is that guy, but for at least the next three years or so, I gotta think Devin Dubnik is absolutely, positively the starting goalie for the Minnesota Wild. And that's good news. It's nice to know we have a legitimate starting goalie. Regardless if he's a, like a superstar like he was for most of last most of his time on the Wild last season. Except conveniently the freaking Blackhawks series. Or uh, he's just a decent player. But even if he's just a, even if he's just decent, I, I think that's his bottom. I, I don't really see him busting out anymore. Like being a flat out bust. I don't really see that happening. Ultimately. Here's an interesting signing. Christian Foline signed for two years, $1.45 million. So basically, a little less than $1.5 million over that time. So about $750K per year. About that. Something like that. Christian Foline, though, it's a one-way deal, so that means he's going to be on the NHL roster. Um, Jordan Leopold, I think he's not coming back, and that's kind of sad. And it and it just that's just kind of how it goes. And there's another guy coming back who's versatile. He can play right or left defenseman. That guy's name is Nate Prosser. Yeah, he has been inked for a two-year deal for $1.25 million. Of course, one way, that means he's not going down to Iowa. Or if he does, you got to pay him full full, uh, full cash. So there you go. And they signed Nate Prosser right away on July 1st. And it's, again, a two-year deal. Not that expensive. Not really. It's about uh, six... About six point, or excuse me, about six hundred and thirty thousand a year. I'll take that salary right now in a heartbeat because I make about the. No, I'm kidding. I don't even want to. I don't even want to say what I make, but uh, doesn't look good for Jordan Leopold coming back, and that's a crying shame. It is. I, I don't know. Nate Brosser over Jordan Leopold. Huh. I don't know. Why do they like him so much? Do you, Do you guys out there like him more than Jordan Leopold? And it's not just because Jordan Leopold is a gopher. Nate Prosser and Jordan both uh, are from Minnesota, so uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Jordan Leopold seemed like he was... I don't know. I, I, I just never got this vibe. Nate Prosser is really that worthy of like much time in the NHL. He, he's just an okay, fringe, minor league NHL guy. That's kind of what he is. He's kind of on the border. That's just who he is. But God love him. Good luck to him. And uh, hope we're the best there. Hmm. Eric Halla, still a restricted free agent. We'll see where that goes. I believe that's going into arbitration, and it is, unfortunately. Josh Harding, yeah, he'll the, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord splits you. Johan Gustafsson, also, early back in May. I, yeah, he is he is signed back in, uh, in uh, Sweden, in Frölunda. So he, he's gone two years in the Sweden Hockey League. Adios amigo, Gustafsson, not very good in the AHL, so doesn't look, his prospects weren't really high coming to the NHL, especially with Dubnik, Kemper, guys like that, and Capo, guys like that uh, in the system. I don't think Gustafson's chances of uh, being on the wild were very, very, very high at all, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, a guy by the name of Mikhail Granlund, the wild did sign him to a two-year deal, so a chance to do something with it. <laughs> He's going to be making $3 million a year, exactly. Of course, a one-way deal, no doubt about it. Mikhail Granlund, two years to kind of prove himself. It's, it's what they call a bridge contract. 
where either he gets a nice big fat payday or he's uh, well he's uh, going to the St. Louis Blues or the or the Colorado Avalanche or some other asshole division rival that we're going to hate with a passion and of course he would blow up and score like 85 points and be like the next uh, Peter Forsberg out there that's about our luck but eh, you know for the time being he'll get two years and hopefully uh, or, or or again we'll he'll he'll do decent we'll sign him to like five years or we'll, we'll sign him to like eight years and like 70 million but yeah we'll, we'll just wait until that happens <laughs> yeah whatever it is Best of luck to Mikhail Granlund. Hopefully he continues. It's a bridge contract. It's more than he was making. So, palms away there. Yep, I mentioned Folin. Matt Cook has been released, waived. He is an unrestricted free agent now. He uh, played two years out of his three years. He is now, again, an unrestricted free agent. Maybe you bring him back for super-duper cheap. Or, well, you just replace him with one of the younger guys who's tough and physical. So no more Kyle Brozniak, no more uh, Matt Cook, but Ryan Carter is indeed returning. Da, da, I think uh, I think that's it for all the current uh, free agents. Okay, uh, Jared Knight. Yeah, I remember him. <laughs> the guy we acquired for Zach Phillips, who just did nothing in the NHL, or AHL, pardon me, <laughs> AHL. And Jared Knight's numbers are, like, worse than his. Yeah, worse. Well, if he was on the Minnesota Wild, he'd be making $761 million next year. If he, if he made the Minnesota Wild. But obviously in the minor league level, it's <clears throat> smaller. I'm not sure the exact amount. We'll just kind of let that go for the time being. Jared Knight, step it up, please. Would be greatly appreciated. And again, it is a two-year, uh, two-way deal. Same for Michael Karanen. He is on the Wild now, or excuse me, he's on the he, he's an Iowa Wild, Iowa Wild forward as well. He was signed back in May. We'll see where things go with that. And another free agent gone for the Minnesota Wild as of well, just maybe an hour or two ago. Chris Stewart. That's right, Chris Stewart, number forty-four, on his way to the Anaheim Ducks. Well, damn it, <laughs> one point seven million dollars one year. Of course, one way he is. Uh, well. He's off to the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. That's it. Excuse me, Anaheim Ducks. Pardon me. <laughs> He's gone, and um, well, that's not that expensive, but he didn't really work out, did he? He did nothing in the postseason, and for the longest time in the regular season, I'm like, oh, almost no chance. He's not going to come back. But Dubnik was obviously the top chance <clears throat> that the Wild were going to throw money at. <clears throat> but I thought they'd keep Stewart too, and unfortunately, it just didn't wind up that way because of the way the postseason went and. Really, later in the regular season, it just was not. It didn't work out, so I'm not too bummed about it. It's just, I, I'm not too bummed that he's gone, but I'm bummed that it didn't work out. Keith Ballard, unrestricted free agent, unlikely to return due to the concussion and all that. Very disappointing for him. I, I feel bad for him. He was a gopher replaced by a gopher, Jordan Leopold, who probably will be replaced by another gopher in Mike Riley. That's right, Mike Riley will now be on, I don't know why, pardon me, will now be inked to the Minnesota Wild, a two-year contract. Mike Riley coming to the Wild. We'll see what happens here. Of course, uh, top defenseman with the Minnesota Gophers the last few years. Really, really exciting. And he was originally drafted by the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, Chicago Blackhawks were the other most likely team to get him. Lucky and happy we were able to get him this time. And it didn't wind up being another Nick Letty going to the Blackhawks. Of course, a Doug Risebrow trade for uh, 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 Cam Barker. I don't want to remember that, but yeah. <laughs> Painful memory. Hopefully this can help to make up for that one. Kind of maybe erase that little blemish on Mr. Uh, Chuck Fletcher's record. That would be greatly appreciated. We'll, we'll see what happens there. Mike Riley, though, I'm very excited. How can you not be? Very likely he will be on the NHL. And, of course, making over a million a year. Most likely he will be. So, very encouraging. Really looking forward to Mike Riley's development in the NHL. A lot of people very happy about it. And I am as well. So, you got to... It seems like there's always going to be at least one gopher on the roster. (laughs) Keith Ballard, I still remember the signing. I was all excited. And then Jordan Leopold, you finally get him. After, like, forever. Now, Mike Riley. So, bombs away. And, of course, Eric Holla. But seems like defensemen tend to wind up here at some point in time. <laughs> Sean Bergenheim, unrestricted free agent, unlikely to return. 
Stu Bickle, we'll see what happens, but probably not returning either. Another guy who just, uh, you know, he just wasn't as good as they were hoping. Jonathan Blum is a restricted free agent. Wouldn't be surprised to see him back with the uh, Iowa Wild at, at, at the bare minimum, a two-way two deal. Very valuable player with the Iowa Wild the last several years. Brett Blummer, also a restricted free agent. Probably, probably will come back, but I don't know. He was awfully, he's been awfully disappointing the last two years after a really nice, strong start. Mm, John Curry, I doubt it. I doubt it with all these prospects, but who knows? We'll just see what happens with that. Stefan Veilleux, again, very unlikely to return. But then again, he tends, to, he tends to always wind up back with the Wild somehow, some way. So maybe I shouldn't be too surprised if he does come back. <laughs> that's your state of the wild. Um, that's pretty much where we are right now. It all kind of comes down to who is going to be, who's going to be the guy that's going to take this team to the next level. It ain't Miko Koivu. Is Mikhail Granlund ever going to step up? Is he going to be a better version? Like, let's just say, is he going to continue off of his second year in the NHL or his last year? What Mikhail Granlund is. Because if he can uptrend from his second year in the NHL and become a 60-70 point guy, maybe even better, hey, hell yeah. Unlikely he'll ever be anything higher than that, like a uh, <laughs> 100 point guy or 90 point guy. But if he can develop into a really valuable top line center, well, there you go. That's the hope with him. Charlie Coyle is an interesting, interesting prospect on this team. And he's the kind of guy I think that could really... Uh, <sighs> He could really be one of those valuable pieces that can take this team to another level. It would be nice to see him become like a Brandon Sod, at least. Brandon Sod's physical, antagonistic, but he can score. He he surely can. He wound up with the uh, he wound up luckily for us getting traded to the Columbus Blue Jackets for a mess of pieces, just a bunch of guys. Those rarely work out well for the team that gave up the the the, the better player. Brandon Saad to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Good riddance to him, and good luck in the Eastern Conference's freaking Blue Jackets. <laughs> I'm not going to miss him at all. <laughs> I'm not going to miss Sharp either, who was uh, traded away from the Blackhawks as well. Hmm. But can Charlie Coyle at least become a Brandon Saad type of guy who could be a very, very valuable, physical, tough guy for the Wild? Or could he become something better? I think he has the skill level. He could be. He could be one of the top players on this team. One of the very valuable pieces. I don't see anybody on the current roster or in the system as, the, as another Patrick Kane type. But if we can get like a, a poor man's version of that, it would be a huge step in the right direction. Right now, I, there's nobody on the roster that I can see that could be that guy. Maybe Justin Tuck could be a poor man's version of him someday. But the evidence isn't there to support that just yet. Ultimately, I mean, the Charlie Coyles, the Nino Niederreiters, guys like that, they're all so big pieces for the future of this team. But is any one of them ever going to step up to be a bigger star? Ultimately, you need all of them to step up a little bit for this team to continue further on, ever, if they have any hopes to ever win the Stanley Cup. But one of them someday has to be that star, if this team hopes to win a Stanley Cup someday. Or they just all have to magically have a very good season, <laughs> like the Golden State Warriors did in the NBA. Or the Los Angeles Kings did multiple times. <laughs> Everybody just stepped up, and it was a great season. Oh, and by the way, adding Marion Gabrick late in the season, and him going on the scoring Terry did, didn't hurt either. I'm still shocked he didn't win the Conn Smythe Trophy for 2014. But, yeah, you know, I'm kind of glad he didn't. <laughs> for obvious reasons. Yeah, you think... To me, the top prospect in the whole Wild system, well, the top prospect on the Minnesota Wild themselves, right now, I think it's Jonas Brodeen. I don't, I mean, obviously he's not this Patrick Kane or anything, but clearly, <laughs> I think he's the best defenseman on the Minnesota Wild. Even better than Ryan Suter. And obviously defensively, well, yeah, of course, Ryan Suter's defense is kind of, it's hot and cold, it's up and down. And it sometimes it's flat awful due to the fact he's overly gassed. But the fact that you have players on this team now that hopefully can continue to develop, like a Matt Dumba. A Matt Dumba, a Jonas Brodeen. Guys like that. Marco Scandella. You have enough players. And now Mike Riley getting added to the mix, who is a bigger prospect than Jordan Leopold was ever going to be at age 35, 36, 35. 
or Nate Prosser, obviously. None of those guys are ever going to be anything. But you have a Mike Riley now to hopefully help spell Ryan Studer. He he needs <laughs> to get the minutes reduced. Not only do people need to step up, other guys need to step back a teensy-weensy bit. And that guy, that guy's name is Ryan Suter. Having him out there, overly gassed, is going to kill this team. We're never going to get to the next level when you have your star, one of your star defensemen gassed out there and getting killed by the Patrick Canes and the Patrick Sharps and guys like this, guys like that. It's, it's an unbelievably frustrating. Brandon Saad. <laughs> oh, Jonathan Taves, too. Hmm, huh, maybe him. Or Vladimir Tarasenko. Or Nathan McKinnon. Or, eh, you get the idea. All these other elite, like, scoring centers and forwards, whatever they are, top, top sticks type of superstars out there. It's frustrating. But the future is bright. And guys like Mike Riley help become... Uh, help the Wild have like a deeper team that can help, again, rest some of the star guys so they can get a teeny bit of downtime so that they can play at a top level rather than just kind of, sort of, play well versus playing elite. Ryan Suter with with less playing time would be an elite defenseman, without a doubt. But playing too much, not good. Not good at all. That's on Mike Yo and on Ryan Suter. And, of course, other players <laughs> to step up enough that you see no reason that Ryan Suter should have to be out there way too much. The future does look bright on the defensive side of the puck. The offensive side, sure. The future's bright, but again, who is that guy? Right now, it's on you guys. <laughs> you guys, if you're listening out there, one of them has to become that guy. <laughs> Nino Niederreiter, Mikhail Granlin, Charlie Coyle top prospects ultimately in the system that have already been at the Wild for three years. Gosh, pretty much already. It's crazy when you think about that. Somebody needs to step up big time. They all ultimately need to step up a bit, but one of them needs to be that star. Maybe it's one of the guys that's been drafted the last two years. But for this team to break through that glass ceiling and make sure it's not a concrete one, (laughs) somebody, somebody needs to step up big time. And until that happens, we'll continue to struggle. We'll be back to talk more Minnesota Wild Hockey in the coming weeks and months. <laughs> and if any big free agency move happens or any trade, I don't think it'll be free agency, but any type of big trade happens, I'll be back on the mic. But for now, I'll be standing off for a bit and wishing all of you a wonderful summer, a wonderful, uh, well, <laughs> wonderful time watching the prospects, all that. Best wishes to all. I'll most likely be returning... August, September, something like that. That's not that far away, to be quite honest. But by the time training camp is getting started up, Brave the Wild will be back out there. I'm just so glad I was able to do State of the Wild in the summer versus in in the in the fall, which is ridiculous. So we'll be back to talk about the about the opening of training camp and ultimately a season preview come August, September, October. Can't wait. Can't wait at all. It'll be nice to see what prospect does make the roster because there are spots that are open now. Oh, man. Can't wait. Can't wait at all. If you enjoy this show, please do give me a positive rating on iTunes. It'd be greatly appreciated. Don't forget to join the Facebook page. Look up Brave the Wild, Minnesota Wild Show on Facebook. Click like on that. It would be greatly appreciated. And, of course, on Twitter, at Brave the Wild, at Brave the Wild. And there is a call-in line. 209-736-7877, 209-736-7877. It is a voicemail. Do treat it as such. Mention you're calling it to Brave the Wild. And for your statement, shout-out, comment, whatever it is, greatly appreciated. Just make sure it's on topic on the Minnesota Wild. That'd be greatly appreciated. Other than that, if you could give Brave the Wild a positive rating on iTunes, I'll be very, very grateful, and I will give you a nice, nice, happy shout-out on the air. And, yeah. It, it would just only help the show, only help it to develop. And if you don't like the show, don't waste your time trolling it on iTunes. It's, it's, it's just a waste of time. You're not really accomplishing anything by doing that. Just move on. Good luck to you. Other than that, again, have a nice summer. Stay out of the humidity. Get in the lakes and, hey, get to those hockey rinks as well. Why not? It's a nice place to cool off. <laughs>